Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and this is episode number 70 in honor of Joe Morrow and John Albert, who both wore number 70 with Winnipeg Jets. And even better still, Kevin Sawyer wore number 70 with Jets 1.0, the Phoenix Coyotes, back in the year 2000, I believe. So uh, in honor of Kevin Sawyer, we did a large roundtable, a little bit on the longer side. Uh, Just for context, it was recorded on Wednesday before the Thursday loss at Dallas and before the Saturday win at home uh, against Columbus. So just for context, when you're listening for stuff we talk about, it's a couple days old, had problems getting the audio all figured out. Um, It's being put out on Grey Cup Sunday. This is before the Grey Cup, so uh, go Bombers, go Blue. And uh, for those of you uh, that are going to be driving home from the game afterwards, here's some uh, Jets listening. So hopefully enjoy it. Hopefully we made some good points. It was definitely fun to do. Um, Ryan was way out east and was very tired. So uh, we cut him off at the end. Um, <laughs> so you could probably tell that he's a he's a little bit tired. But anyhow, it was fun to do. Uh, sorry it took so long, but here's the audio. Hey there, Jets fans! Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one your host, and tonight we've got a full round table full of people that are staying up way past their bedtime. So everyone's going to bow in about the next fifteen minutes. But we have with us Ryan who's way out on the East Coast, taking in some uh, junior hockey. Ryan, are you still there with us, or did you leave? No? No? Okay. I'm here. I'm here. Okay, Ryan's here. Ryan's here. Okay, sorry. And we got Mike, and we got Daniel, and we got uh, C-Mac, and we got myself. Uh, the rest of us are still in the Winnipeg, uh, Peg City. So, uh, anyhow, we're going to get to a little roundtable. We haven't done this for way too long, about two weeks now. There's been lots of news, lots of things to talk to, including, so, Michael, we're going to start with you. Uh, just, uh, I'm going to get right into it. Mike, uh, give us a little breakdown on your thoughts about the whole Don Cherry thing. I mean, this happened since we recorded. It's, it, it uh, has already been cleared up and moved on to other things. Uh, do you have any super hot take about the Don Cherry situation, uh, his leaving of Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet and Rogers and all that? Um, what do you got for us about the, the man known as Grapes? Uh, you know what, as the process continued on, I was, I went from being like, man, you know, I always kind of had a soft spot for Don Cherry. It's kind of, you know, too bad that he had to go shoot his mouth off like this to, uh, I just became completely fed up with him and sick, like, uh, of hearing about him. I'm glad that he's gone. I, I, I do like have fond memories of him from like my childhood. Like I watched the Rock'em Sock'em videos and, and everything, but just the more I thought about it and thought about basically his legacy, like, man, this guy has a kind of a sad legacy. Like, just imagine when you, when you imagine yourself growing old and you have grandkids and you gather around and, and, uh, and, and you're wise, maybe you're wise, you know, you're gray hair, you have, you're wise as well. Like, you just hope that you just hope that you have like just something you change with the times a little bit, you know, and, and, you know, you stay your own man and you can, you can grow in character and all these good things. But honestly, Don Cherry is just a loud guy. He was a bad coach. He was a bad owner of that W or the OHL team. And uh, he just, he just seems to me, he's more of just exposing himself as a guy that just didn't really like foreigners. Uh, Great. You love Canadians, I guess, but only your kind of Canadians. Uh, Anyways, I'm not, 
I'm glad to see him go. I, I didn't think that I'd say that a couple weeks ago when he finally retired, but I'm kind of glad to see him go. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably feel the, the same way. Um, but, uh, there's other people there, the, the reaction on the other side of people really showing support for him was, um, a little bit surprising. I thought I didn't think it would be that big of a groundswell. Now, as I'm sure you all know, and our listeners know that, uh, he has his own podcast. So uh, did anybody take in the, the new Don Cherry, uh, podcast at all, just to see what it was all going to be about? No, no. Okay. I actually, I actually thought this was the grapevine. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't even, uh, <laughs> couldn't even remember the name till just now. So no, this, this podcast I is, listened, sorry, I listened to the first 10 minutes of it when he explained, uh, what happened and what was needed for him to stay on the network. And I right. just didn't, uh, yeah, I shut it off after that. It's his son. That's his co-host and they're the same person. So I, I turned it off after that. It was more of the same of, well, I, I could have went on there and explained myself, but I'm not apologizing. Well, there's no explaining yourself if you're not apologizing. So right. I didn't. So, understand all that so when you when you listened to it ryan you didn't feel like you got any more kind of uh solace in it any more explanation you just kind of felt like it is what it is i mean I, I, again i know this has moved on and it seems like the camps have been divided so it's a bit of a, a moot point probably for the the most part for people that are on one side or the other they've just kind of uh whatever they're they're gonna dig their heels in there but from listening to it and being somebody that's probably not as Don Cherry supportive as maybe some uh, didn't change your mind at all? Didn't his explanation didn't move you? His explanation was the same as it was a week ago when he did uh, the news cycle with, uh, I forget who he was on with, uh, some Toronto, or was it Global News or something? It was just, I stick by what I said. I, I would try to word it differently, but I don't apologize for what I said. So... I'm with Mike. Uh, Don Cherry, Rock'em Sock'em is kind of what our age group kind of grew up with. But his hockey takes and his world takes, everything is just way outdated now. So not not worth listening to. Glad he's gone as well. Um, But uh, yeah, just not worth listening to him anymore. All right. Okay, well, I'm going to move on to the next person here. We'll kind of keep it orderly. Uh, Chris has been pretty quiet there. Uh, Chris, I'm curious uh, if you have any thoughts. Maybe get us started. We probably won't do everyone's opinion on every single topic, but about uh, the Brian Little injury and uh, Wheeler moving to center and maybe how that the team has looked since that. I know that uh, uh, some people say that the Wheeler conversation to center has been happening all season. Didn't really seem like that. And then I know Maurice said afterwards that it was a lineup that he really was interested in looking at for a while, but never did it when he had the chance to. So uh, what's your take on that? Is the team actually better with, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, without Brian Little? Is Wheeler finally getting better? The split up of Shifley and and him, maybe you can kind of tackle that that little grouping there of of players and what you've seen and and if it's been better or worse. And obviously, you know, our thoughts go to Brian Brian Little, hopefully he gets better, but I mean, for the team on the ice, uh, what does that look like? Well, I think you, we've been talking about for a long time about just getting Shifley and Wheeler split up 
that's i mean the biggest thing it spreads the wealth um unfortunately the wealth because you lose a, a really good player in little doesn't you don't get the full effect of it and so that's a little bit frustrating that it took an injury to do it and then you lose one of one of the guys that you wanted to be involved in that i think that's that sucks because um we hear a lot of banter about how oh you know oh Brian Little isn't a good center. Look at look at what he's doing. It's like, well, nobody's really said that he's not good. We're just saying they can do better or Patrick Line needs to play with better players. It's uh it's not even a shot at Brian Little. Um and just to qualify that a little bit further, um if Brian Little was so great, we wouldn't have to get to second line centers the last two trade deadlines for a playoff push. But he is a good player and it would be nice to see him in this. Um the team is obviously has a winning record since this has happened. Um, and we're seeing a little bit more out of a couple of players. We're seeing a little different dynamic from line a and um, Connor seems to be playing a little, a little differently perhaps. Um, but basically um, they're just spending time in the offensive zone, all of these lines, and they're not really doing a whole heck of a lot. And it's, it's, really boring and, and frustrating to watch when you have so much offensive talent, even without Brian Little. And that's that's frustrating. They're getting outshot consistently. And it seems as if the Jets' plan is lots of time in the offensive zone is good, whether you're getting high danger shots or not. And lots of time in our own zone is fine as long as Connor Hellebuck's saving 94% of the shots. So it's tough to get a read right now. And, and as long as they're, quote-unquote, keeping the shots to the outside, which they're not necessarily doing, but as long as we keep saying that's what they're doing, then that's, that's enough. To, right? <laughs> Just say we keep shots to the outside, and that means we do keep shots to the outside. Right, so when you, get a, when you get out shot 45 to 26, that your, your co-worker can come to work the next day and say, yeah, but they weren't very hard shots because that's what Paul Maurice said after the game. Right. Anyway, not to, you know, we've been seeing it for a long time. Um, and it's, you know, we're going on 11, 12 months of, you know, literal this type of hockey where we're outplayed or it seems like you're outplayed because you're outshot and you're outpossessed the whole game. Um, that's not even a shot at the players to me at this point. Um, it's the strategy. There's some sort of strategy going on where this is what they want to do and they're executing it. We can just probably all agree that what they're executing isn't a recipe for successful hockey. They're clearly doing what the coach is telling them, and that's my frustration with the coach, but we don't need to get into that. But I think AJ and I talked about this earlier. They're doing what they're being told. He comes out and says, we we, we want offensive zone time. Other than when Shifley and Wheeler were together, they have offensive zone time, you know, but they don't have any shots. So they're doing what they want to do. It's just not productive. Yeah. I think your point, too, just so uh, it's clear, the call for Shifley and Wheeler being split up, just kind of back to that that pairing, it's been the call for a long time. And a lot of people said, uh, Chris, I know you and I have chatted about this, but uh, putting Shifley and, uh, and Liney together and having maybe Wheeler reunite with Brian Little, which by the time, like, the, you know, uh, Wheeler moving down to the second line is because of Brian Little being out. Uh, but people often kind of mistook that for saying that Brian Little sucks, but it was mostly Brian Little is incompatible with Liney. So it makes more sense to move lining up to either the first line or Brian Little down to the third line, right? Right. There's an incompatibility, incompatibility and, uh, issue there. And I think people misinterpret that as being 
saying Brian Little sucks. So now the people that tend to say that about us uh, are also the people that probably aren't listening to this and, and won't take the time to... to... So <laughs> here's the other thing about that. People are forgetting that up until Brian Little's injury in Tampa a couple of years ago, Paul Maurice had the exact same problem with Little and Wheeler. He wouldn't split them up when they needed to be split up. Right. So then Little gets hurt, he puts them with Shifley, and then ever since that day, they can't get split up. So where's the just one second of going, hey, those guys were pretty fucking good together too. Let's try that and get that and then spread out the scoring. And we've talked about it for a couple of years. Why? What's wrong with having four scoring lines? Can't, can't do that. Can't do that. Not enough defense. Uh, not enough slugging it out and gritting it out for so much offense. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, we'll move along there. I think yeah, you made some good points there, Chris. And obviously, those are just little nuggets. People can kind of take that and unpackage it more. Maybe I just uh, I just have one little thing to add to that. It. I just went through uh, at Charting Hockey that Sean Tierney he posts charts pretty much every day, various charts, and the Jets are on the left side of all of those, which means generally they're either bad, boring, both, or or very lucky. So I'm just going to add that in there. Basically, what Chris just said is confirmed by all the different various charts and numbers and all that so it's not just the eye test that's uh that's uh proving all, all of what chris just said well it's it's interesting you bring that up today there's a a meeting tomorrow or not a meeting a puck talks thing with uh marat that he's uh hosting tomorrow and i sent him i said i'm not sure if i'll be able to come but one question i'd have for you maybe i'll prepare you if i can come uh i said is um I'm curious, what is, and maybe uh, you guys can, Daniel, just because you brought it up, you can do that. I was going to hit you with the question next. But what is a, an appropriate amount of sample size? Now, people always warn about small sample sizes, but theoretically, if the Jets played 30 games and the first 10 were piss poor, the middle 10 were, uh, you know, average, and then the last 10 were great, right? Um, you go into the 31st game, would you be looking at <coughs> the sample of those last 30 games that say average? Or would the recency bias of the last 10 games uh, be enough to sort of push your, your, your thinking for that 31st game that, yeah, we do have a real good chance here. They're playing, you know, really, really well. And so sometimes people talk about sample size being too small, but I think there might be a little bit of a, uh, a warning that I put out there for sample size that are too big that no longer have any recency bias in a positive way towards them so with the sean tierney stuff or like the heat maps um i imagine in the last let's say 10 games even though the, the jets are getting results mostly off of hellebuck's back i bet you they're probably better than the first 10 games of the season the only issue is a lot of people are saying uh that they've turned the corner but really they've moved from 31st in the league in a lot of categories to 27th in the league realistically so they're not really playing that great to kind of chris's point earlier but uh, maybe, Daniel, you can kind of uh, unpackage that thing a little <laughs> bit because I'm curious, uh, you know, about the, the recency bias. I mean, are the Jets actually playing that much better? If I write Link down that question, are you wow. okay with me asking that, that five-minute question to Murat? <laughs> that was... Hey, hey, you know what? I, I prepared Murat for a second. You could just tell him uh, just that question that AJ said. and then that's The AJ be question. That's what, I'll, that's what we'll yell out tomorrow. You know what? I, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I know it's rambling, but, but you guys get the point, though, right? It's, yeah. it's sort of, are the Jets, quote-unquote, have they turned the corner? Right? Are they actually so, good or are they actually ungood is basically the question yeah. of, is the base of that question. Yeah, because the last, the last eight to ten games, whatever it is now, 
standings wise, they look like they're good. And some of the arguments online would say, yeah, they're good. Right. But yeah, it doesn't really feel like they're that good. Kind of, again, to Chris's point about watching the games, you watch the games. I don't know how people are finding that the jets are that good and will really go, go to bat for, for them. If I can just interject, that's the frustrating thing about how they're playing right now is take the stats out. What is the eye test telling you? All the people that exactly. are arguing with people that are saying they're not good right now are traditional eye test people. This eye test right now is telling me that they're worse than their stats are. That is, so, what are they, yeah. Yeah. so what are they watching? They look like shit. They get outshot every game. They get outplayed every game. But then you're coming and telling me how good they are. Yeah. So are you watching the games now, I'm wondering? Yeah. Do you, watch, do you watch the games? Are they good or not? You know what? I've watched. I've actually been able to watch more games than I usually do. And let me tell you, they are. Uh, they every game. I am scared shitless that they're going to lose. Basically, that's basically what goes on because they are not playing well. And I don't know what kind of eye test we're watching. Some of these. Some of these people. I won't. I'm not going to name names or whatever. You. You know who you are. But uh, they're but not listening. Back. Yeah. Exactly. Like welcome. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You but. Uh, you, yeah. you people. I wasn't gonna say that, but <laughs> you people are just holy. Cancel Daniel. <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, to answer your oh, question, for the I record, think... you you can say you people. You just can't follow it up with a racist comment afterwards. That's true. That's true. So all you people <laughs> using the eye test are are I don't know what you're watching. But anyways, um, I'll I'll finish trying to answer the question that. Uh, AJ asked for five minutes. I don't even remember it. But uh, basically, by now, we always say, you know, the one thing they say is the American Thanksgiving. You know, if you're not in the playoffs, you're probably not going to make it. So that that means by then we probably have a pretty decent overall sample size, not just including points and points and standing points and stuff like that. Because by then you have hit probably pretty close to 30 games. American Thanksgiving's next week, so we must be getting close to, to 30 games by then. But usually I'd say, you know, 20 games, a 20 game rolling thing is a good sample size to go off. 20, 25 games, you know, you kind of you kind of know where they're at and if they've actually improved, if they haven't improved. And like you said, you know, they move from, yeah, right in the bottom of the league to, you know, up five spots in certain rankings. And I mean, that still means they're not, you know, they're not doing very well. Right. And that's basically what these charts that I'm looking at, they're from the whole season and the Jets are still on the dull side. They're still on the lucky side. They're still on the boring side the low quality side of shots and all those things are like, it just all adds up and it actually tells you something. Right. And that's basically what, how you can analyze. Like I can, you know, look at it and say, yeah, like why the jets are lucky to be on, what are they on like a seven and three streak right now? And they've won four in a row or something like that. Hellebuck has put up a nine, nine ninety-nine save percentage, right? Like he's just saving everything. And just just doing just enough, and the Jets are doing just enough offensively to get them through these through these these stretch of games here, and that's that's pretty much it. Is right now we have a pretty good sample size to know where the Jets are at. Just like going back to last season, you know, around this time, this is when people were saying, yeah, this uh, they're definitely not the same team that they were the year prior, which was the year that they made the nice run to the Western Conference Finals. Man, right. Daniel, I was just gonna say this is we're like basically coming up to the one year anniversary of the Jets being a really good team. I I don't know what you guys feel about that, but I feel like this is like you said about the time when we started to realize that this was not what the team was not what we thought it was going to be, 
And, uh, and then obviously that became even more apparent come, you know, come January, come the new year. So, you know, AJ, your question for Murad and everything about, you know, how do you judge a team? We have a pretty big sample size here at this point, if you go back to last year. And if you, if you look at, okay, like we've had a really great November, I think you probably also ask yourself, okay, is there, uh, is there anything with the roster or like style of play, you know, injuries or health, you know, what's changed that would maybe help explain a really good run in November? And I mean, Brian Little got injured and Jack Roslevic got promoted and, and, you know, Wheeler got moved to center and you start to kind of start to kind of guess at some of those things. Um, but for me, for me, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't have any magic answer besides what I think you guys would agree with that. It's mainly Hellebuck. Uh, you know, there's, and then, and then there's, there's been some pleasant surprises like Wheeler's really taking a, a leadership role on the team and Roslevic showing that he can, that he can produce offensively and, and fit in offensively in a top six role. But, you know, beyond that, I mean, I mean, what else is there? I mean, it kind of just looks like a bit of an aberration, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'll just elaborate a little bit more on that actually, because the, uh, the two years ago, it was around game 20 that the Jets and from then on, they were the be- one of the best teams in the NHL from about game 20. That's about the mid middle November. And just like, just like we said, you know, last year by about this time, about game 20, 25 after then we realized they were awful. Right. So there's trends that always happen. And then you look at a team like last year, the St. Louis blues, this is actually the anniversary of when they fired their coach and they switched to Craig Berube. That was their turnaround. Right. So they basically fired him just in time to be able to turn it around just enough. And then obviously they took off from there. Right. And they, they, you know, they still didn't do very well till the new year, but they, you started to see a turnaround in their game and how they, you know, they improved their, 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 uh, quality of shots, quantity of shots, and all those other variables that led to them ultimately by the end of the season winning the Stanley Cup. Well, speaking of coach firings, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about getting fired for sure. Um, Ryan's two hours ahead of us, so Ryan, I'm going to give you one more question and then you can go to bed. But uh, curious if you got any uh, hot takes about uh, Buff, Bufflin. I, I know uh, the, the story's been pretty quiet lately, but there's a little bit of news today about the NHL PA filing a, an actual grievance about that i'm curious if you have any takes about uh buff and uh maybe some predictions like has any of the uh, news changed your opinion about his future with the jets uh is this all just procedural do you have any anything for us there i'm i'm not gonna lie to you i haven't uh read anything <laughs> on twitter what? lately what? or anything to do with buff so oh. i didn't know that he did that uh he filed for grievance did you say yeah that the NHLPA filed a grievance on his behalf, uh, basically. I guess the idea is, in all this, if you kind of read in between the lines, is they're saying that he was has a hockey-related injury that was he had at the time of the end of the season, and he shouldn't have been suspended by the team because he should actually be on the payroll. But there, I, uh, I'll, okay, I'll tell you my kind of take. I just think it's more procedure than anything because there is a NHLPA and a CBA and a he has a contract and he kind of was so chill and relaxed about things probably was looking at retiring. And then, so none of it would have mattered. And then Chevy told him, Hey, don't retire. And now he's still under team control, but he's got this injury. And so now the whole thing gets, gets muddied up. So I think they're just following through. Uh, I was actually thinking today before that news came out, 
talking, thinking to myself about the podcast tonight and um, saying, you know what, probably the next news we hear about Bufflin, uh, the next two or three times we hear anything about Bufflin will just be little bits and bites of sort of that procedure coming down, but not really any significant news um, as far as I can see. I think this is just part of it. So, yeah, there you go, Ryan. Catch you up, uh, catch you up to, to date. So, See, AJ just asked questions so he can answer them himself. <laughs> everybody just hang up right now we don't need this i'll just tell you what i did no no if i did that you know it'd be a, a three-hour long podcast and nobody wants to hear that so <laughs> and today was yeah. the last day they could file that grievance as well it's uh 60 days after the original uh suspension i believe is what i read somewhere oh okay well that's interesting okay uh okay ryan then fine you're gonna you're gonna talk about something else then Gustafson staying with the team, hey Nola being moved down, and the lack of Niku still on on this team. Uh, Ooh, do Niku, do Niku. Yeah, well, it's kind. Of, I kind of give him a couple so you can, because yeah, I think they're all tied together in a way. And uh, maybe not the Gustafson in that one, but uh, hey Nola and the and the D right, uh, and then him going back over to Finland. So yeah, what's uh, what's your read on that situation? And do we see Niku sooner or later, or is he playing so well that? There's no urgency to call him up. Well, you need to call him up. I mean, do you? Maurice's comments that, oh, he's doing well in the A, so why don't we let him sit there? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I, I don't understand that whatsoever. Why so we're gonna, you have just... an all-star AHL defenseman, uh, AHL defenseman of the year two years ago, who's lighting it up right now and you don't want to bring him up because he's doing well right now in the minor leagues. That That's like doing really well at your job and saying, we don't want to give you a promotion because you're doing very well in your previous job. No, you promote those guys. It's ridiculous that they're keeping Niku down there. And for Maurice to come out and say, Biteto and Dahlstrom need to get time Oh, because oh. they are pinnacles of the of the D, or not pinnacles, sorry, but saying that they're really important to the D lineup is ridiculous. Call up Niku. I I don't know what you can do with Dahlstrom and Bitetto if you can send them down or not. Right. Not but, not waiver free, but not that that matters anyway. But... No, it doesn't because oh, you lose you lose Bitetto. Oh no. Yeah. Dahlstrom's been better than Bitetto, and I I just don't get it at all. I don't know. I, I'm so lost for words on why you would want to keep someone who is lighting up the minor leagues down in the AHL. I, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris has talked about this a bunch of times of being about coaches being sort of risk adverse. And so now that the team is winning, there's a built-in argument there to say, don't do anything different, right? And, and if you do anything different, it's going to be something we've already seen before. And it's going to be the safest thing. And nobody's, uh, you know, moving down that has never moved down or we don't want to risk losing anybody, right? So it feels like Maurice, for sure, and the organization generally will just play the safest thing. And as long as Niku's waiver exempt um, and other guys are healthy, you'd rather play the healthy guys that are already <coughs> up 
and then then pull them up. I know it doesn't make sense. We all um, kind of get so, that, right? Go ahead. So a couple of things there. One, if any coach should be trying things, it's Paul Maurice because he's never going to get fired. And that's why coaches generally don't play risk is because they want to keep their jobs. Um, two, it is an actual thing, and we all know this in life, that you – what's that saying about don't get so good at your job that you can't get a promotion? I mean – it's a lousy excuse and it's bullshit in sports, but that's a real thing in, in the real workforce. So it's, it sucks, but that's, that's a real thing. Um, <laughs> right. Cause it's like, <laughs> well, they can't, you know, you, you're not replaceable. So you're just going to have to stay there. Um, but what I, what AJ and I were talking about something earlier is uh, if, if all the people that now are calling for Paul Maurice to get a, an extension, since they love Paul Maurice so much, they should take his advice and realize that when you're coaching so well, you shouldn't get a promotion or an extension. So <laughs> Maurice is coaching so very well right now, he shouldn't get an extension to his contract, I think, if we're using Paul Maurice's logic. Yeah, and and I, I just want to give myself a little credit <laughs> oh, there, because wow. you, know, you know where this is going, but... Scott Billick had a tweet six days ago where Paul Maurice, this is Scott Billick's tweet, Paul Maurice says because of how well and how much they like what Sammy Niku is doing in the AHL at the moment, there isn't a strong urgency to call him up yet. So that's Scott Billick uh, basically paraphrasing uh, Maurice. And so today, people talking about a Maurice extension, I tweeted out because of how well and how much they like what Paul Maurice is doing in the NHL at the moment, there isn't a strong urgency to lock him up. I'm not sure if, how many people caught the reference to uh, the, the throwback tweet there to Scott Billick saying, but basically it's using Maurice's logic against him to say, why does he need a, uh, an extension, which is actually going to be the next uh, bit of conversation. So, Mike, I'm not sure how much you paid attention to this, but there's a couple people, a couple accounts. I don't know how many individuals are starting this, but one specifically is Spinorama Hockey, and the other one is Mass DG. Um, they both sort of run, not blogs, but just a, I think one has a website attached to it where they kind of seem to follow a lot of Jet stuff, but not completely. And I think the accounts are related, and I'm pretty sure I know who, who runs them. But they both have tweeted in the last couple of days, this is definitely the time for a Paul Maurice extension. Extend the guy. And so I was just kind of I saying, actually have to why not? Off there because I have a strict no platform policy to <laughs> accounts that tweet in support of Paul Maurice. Uh, <laughs> and we need to deny them the platform that might spread their message, their very dangerous and harmful message even further. So, well, okay, okay. okay. So, we'll beep wow. it out. We'll beep it out. Um, why? But, Mike, what's, what's your strong argument against Maurice? I mean, the, the people that want him extended, they weren't calling for it from <laughs> January till April when the team was 500, and they weren't calling for it in October when the team was 6-7. and seven. So why now in November when they're whatever, 7-1-1 one, one, or whatever they are, um, why now? Why, why would anybody be calling for that? And so what's your strong well, argument against? A, a, it's because it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you play like, like NBA Jam, like back on Super Nintendo, and you have to make a certain number of shots in a row consecutively before, you know, the ball lights on fire and you get like the special abilities. You kind of need to like unlock that, that extend your coach capability. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm just telling, I think that these, these accounts, they're evil and they're harmful, but they're, they, they know, like they know what they're doing and they know that if Maurice gets his 10th win in November, uh, you know, to go 10-1-1, and one, like, that, you know, it, it might happen. And um, I think that probably explains the timing. Yeah. 
So uh, what what would you say would be the strongest argument um, for for not signing Paul Maurice? Like what like for people that are on that and see that the Jets are doing well and he's taken a team with a decimated decor and 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 whatnot and you know a bunch of new guys and we're we're all supposed to believe that this team is is awful and that the none of these wounds for not, the strongest argument for not extending him is because he is because he is not he doesn't he's not a draft and develop coach so the argument would be that if there are if jets management above him so i guess chipman and chevy are actually if they do actually want to run the jets like a draft and develop team then i think that they need to look and ask themselves the question is paul maurice a draft and develop coach um every team is an is a draft and develop team but keep going that's your mouth Shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, no, 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 you're, you're totally, you're totally right, and I just think that to me, like that's exactly the point because you look, okay, the Jets. If if you were a Jet draft and develop team, would you be picking up garbage defensemen off the scrap pile and throwing them into your starting lineup and giving them prominent roles? Like, what did Spiza come in and start playing right off the hop for the Jets? What did you know Dahlstrom, like all these guys, and we have. <coughs> Team players that the Jets have drafted, like they decided to, I don't think the bad idea. They sent Hinola down. They they keep Niku down. We have young defensemen, uh, you know, organizational de- defensemen who've been working, you know, under Pascal Vincent. You know, ostensibly they're learning the Jets system and honing their craft down in the AHL. Uh, like we're not we're not developing our own guys apparently uh successfully and or or maybe just the coach likes likes uh hockey men who played 600 games and and that's who he wants to to field so that's the one part of the answer the other part is i think he's had i think he's a long i think he's a long way removed from his best season as a coach which is his first full season with the jets where i think that you would definitely argue he's had the most impact i think that he the second best season was the other year where the Jets had 114 points. Uh, the the other years, like he's he's kind of batting he's batting well below he's batting well below 500 on having good seasons as the Jets coach. That's my opinion, and yeah. uh, I think you know he doesn't have a lot of results. I don't think that he is running the team like it's like he's making personnel decisions. Like drafting and developing players is uh, is a priority. So for those reasons. I think they got a can his ass. <laughs> For those reasons, I'm out. I was just thinking of that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, those those are good reasons, and I think. Well, uh, what do you get? What I mean, what do you guys think? That's a big can of worms, but I'd be really curious what you, what you guys are at on that. It, no, you basically said he's awful, and I uh, I agree with that. So, my my biggest thing in any sport, any coaching, any rosters is coach and and do that to your roster or vice versa or roster to your coach one or the other and they're completely not doing that they have offensive talent they have little defensive talent and they play this supposedly defense first game it it may or may not work it clearly doesn't work they're expected goals for their expected goals against they're all of that shit tells you that it's not working except they're winning this month play to your strengths when you when the colts had peyton manning at quarterback they threw the football, and when they didn't have Peyton Manning at quarterback, they ran the football. You know what I mean? Um, 
look at what the Baltimore Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson for any reference. You have a quarterback that could throw the ball and run the ball. You design your offense around that guy, and you're the best team in football. The Leafs finally today decided we're an offensive team. We're not a defensive team. Let's get rid of this dinosaur and start playing hockey with the roster you have. And you're going to see that that team's going to be first in the conference within like three weeks. Because they have the second best forward lineup in the NHL. The Jets probably have the third best. Why are we playing defense? That isn't good. If we're playing defense and we're good defensively, I would be okay with it. That's my biggest frustration. The coach is completely coaching against what his roster dictates. If you're looking for Paul Maurice to be fired, it's not going to happen. Chevy has said multiple times throughout the last few years that this is the coach for this organization. And then going, what is it, 7-1-1 one, one in their last nine? That doesn't yeah. help anything. They could lose six straight right now. That's not going to change anything. Yeah. They're not going to get rid of them. They're not going to get rid of them if they miss the playoffs this year. Yeah. They're so loyal. They're so loyal. Right. You're right, except they might have an out with this contract situation and not have to look like assholes firing a guy because they don't want to do that. If they, if they, I mean, we've talked about it. It's sickening how much we've talked about the assistant coach situation (laughs) because that's even more embarrassing that those guys have had a job for eight. Nobody, nobody in any professional sport has jobs this long. Never mind your success rate. Unless you win seven Super Bowls in 20 years, you don't keep a job for eight years as an assistant coach on the worst defensive team in the fucking league. Well, Chris, man, you don't keep... The reason is, is most of the time, if like, even if, Kay, like, how many assistant coaches for the Red Wings, they don't, during their glory years, they don't stick around for, like, 10 years because they get promoted from other teams. They get hired to be coached by other Great. teams. When's the last time that's happened for one of our guys? I'm, I'm going to say I, I agree strongly with what Ryan was saying there, just about the the idea. And this is why uh, I wanted to bring it up. I mean, the Maurice thing is only because people have been talking about extension. But, I, like, for the Fire Maurice crowd, I'm with Ryan where it's like, this is, it's not happening. It's not, this is not the time. There isn't a strong enough argument uh, in the recency stuff. I, I think overall, Mike, I think you paint a, paint a good picture. But I, I don't see them doing that. If he doesn't, if his contract is apparently up, I think they just kind of wait until the end of the season. They don't need to do anything. But same with people wanting to rush into, you know, extending a guy just because of this nice small sample size. I, I, I feel like there's no harm in waiting because whether you're for him or against him, I think the, the picture gets much clearer as the season goes on. Right now the Jets are in a playoff spot, right? And they are uh, whatnot. And, and people may not like for the future because they say, well, this might be a lost year if you're an anti-Maurice person. But I just think the the season just plays out. There's no firing uh, and an extension. I think Mike, you mentioned it uh, a while ago, uh, like two podcasts ago or something, saying that they probably wait until the summer to to announce something. That's when it was announced. Before it was like the middle of July, I think, when he got his extension. It's like in the the doldrums of him him and Chevy, um, the the dog days of summer. So I think it's likely something like that. The, this the rest of the season plays out, and and Maurice extension or firing none of that's happening almost regardless of any any results right now that doesn't seem in line with what the the team does so in that way it's almost like the that conversation about it even though i brought it up it's it's a little bit moot in my point i brought it up again because of other people but uh, I, I don't think that we get any clarity but people kind of really pushing from one side or the other aren't 
I, I can't like kind of in touch with reality of what's actually going to happen. Even, even if you have a preference of, of what's you, you like to happen. I, I don't think anything is really going to happen with that. So, but I want to move away from that for a little bit. Um, uh, Chris, I don't. Uh, yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> no, you, you, do, you do. You do, Ryan, don't you? I think you do. <laughs> okay. I want to make ahead, a quick point. Let the man point. talk. I just want to say the team is doing more than we expected this year. What did we say? That they would be maybe a wild card team? Uh-huh. Sure. We're not impressed with our play. But they're not going to fire a coach who is third in the Central Division and only one point away from second and four points away from first. They're not going to do it. Not that I agree with it. Not that he's making good decisions. But that's oh, the they're sitting right now. Should they extend oh, him? Bang on. No, but no, you're no, ba- no. Never. N- don't extend him. <laughs> You, you're bang on, Ryan, because they're sitting wherever they sit at MTS Center or at High Steakhouse, whatever. They think he's ex- like exceeding expectation right now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's my point. They yeah. Have- oh, there's no way he's getting fired. Not again. Not that he shouldn't, because he's he's killing everything. And I I've tweeted about it, and I haven't been on it. He's killing the vibe in the fucking arena by the way the game style is. He's killing. The young players by not putting line A on the power play, which also kills the vibe in the arena. And if I were a season ticket holder, I'd be calling and complaining that the best player on the ice essentially isn't playing on the power play. Um, But again, the ownership and the management thinks this guy's fucking exceeding expectation because they're so archaic. They don't look at numbers either. They just look at the wins and losses. And they're like you said, they're in second. Oh, great. Everything's good. Yeah. Everything's I, good I, until I Connor Hellebuck has a nine ten for a month, and all of a sudden they lose nine out of ten games, and then everyone's going to do like they did last year and say, "Well, what's wrong?" And we're all going to go the same things that were wrong when Connor Hellebuck was saving your ass, but you didn't want to see it. I was I was tweeting or I replied to a tweet last night when someone said Paul Maurice is obviously doing something right because his team is in a playoff spot in the top three of Central Division. And I replied and said, no, it's, he's he's being saved by Connor Hellebuck. That's the only thing that's keeping Paul Maurice afloat right now. Yeah. If, I can, if, or if I can about that, I had uh, something that I wanted to add to that, and now maybe I've lost it. But, um, <laughs> well, no, it was something that um, was tweeted at me um, to to because I was having this conversation on Twitter all day today. Um, the Jets are second worst team in the league at expected goals for percentage, seventh worst in expected goals for. That means their shot quality is terrible, and they allow the most, uh, almost the best quality chances against in the entire league. The only difference is Helly's goals against saved above average, which leads the league at, and is forty seven percent higher than the next best. <laughs> Well, AJ, AJ and I had this conversation on... uh, Sorry, they suck at offense, they suck at defense, and they have, like, Mm -hmm. historical goaltending right now. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. AJ, you and I had a conversation when I was heading to the airport on the weekend. And what did we say? That without Connor Hellebuck, 
this season's a complete write-off already, and we're only 22 games into the season. So, you look at... uh, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) But uh, I'm trying to think of what we said. Oh, uh... If it comes down to earth again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so what I'm, I remember a little ago, bit of the conversation. It was two years ago when he was a Vesna candidate, and we thought this guy's gonna be the real deal. And then last year he kind of fell off a bit. Yeah. Now this year again, he's pulling out of his mind. So who is Connor Hellbuck? Is he so two out of three years now? Is he just lights out goaltender Vesna candidate, good goaltender? Well, and because if he keeps us up, he's going to be the only reason the Jets make the playoffs this year. He's like like Hashik, like yeah, exactly, just carrying a team no, that it, does not deserve to be. AJ said the same thing. AJ said the same thing as you. He's like Hashik, where he just plays <laughs> out of his mind and just carries his team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was joking with my dad today a little bit too, just saying uh, right now, Hellebuck, and I feel like. It, it, it's maybe obvious to, to some of us, like, well, Chris, you're talking about some of the deeper stats and everything, but it just even, like, again, the, the eye test, the actual eye test does kind of prove this right now, and the numbers seem to prove it, too. Uh, just tweeting it uh, out the other day, all of his, his save percentage, but really, he should, if the season, Chris, you said this to me earlier today, but if the season ended today, he should win the heart. He should probably win the Vesna and just kind of jokingly yeah, instead of win the maybe, the year too. He should win the Norris. Yeah. He's like <laughs> he should he go to the year too. Go to the year, yeah. See, yeah, the Jack Adams, maybe he should give that too. So I think though it's gonna come down, right? Like it, that seems like that's the most unsta- uh, sustainable thing. And actually kind of maybe get into uh, a bit of the questions for the podcast. Actually I did have one for uh, you, Daniel, and I was gonna actually uh, excuse me, specifically ask you about Hellebuck and how well he's been playing, but I think we've kind of got into it anyhow. Um, but uh, I was going to ask you just honestly about that fourth line, um, just because I know that you follow the Musa, you've seen Shaw and uh, not Gustafson, obviously, you just seen him in the Jets uh, lineup. But I can't even remember who's on the other wing now, right now, it was Shaw and who's the other Luoto. Yeah, Luoto. So I know you're not going to as many Moose games, but uh, just curious if you have a little beat on them because that fourth line, they're not getting any production. They're not getting much time. Uh, it's been pretty quiet, but I mean, Luoto seems like a decent player. Shaw seems like definitely an AHL. I've seen a lot of people tweeting that uh, the last couple of days. And then Gustafsson, uh, I mean, he's, you know, uh, hopefully a jet to, of the future and has looked well in the training camp. But I mean, with this uh, last little bit here, he's obviously, they burnt the year on his contract. Um, what are you seeing from that fourth line and maybe some of the good from it and maybe the problematic parts? And while you're doing that, I'm going to uh, pull up all the questions that uh, some some of our listeners submitted and start shooting those at you guys. So go ahead, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. So the problem is, it's hard to get a really good judge when they're playing like six, five to seven minutes a night on average last night with Wheeler going down. I kind of took a quick peek at their, uh, their ice time when Wheeler went down the first time with that ankle, they had all under two minutes and only Shaw, which is the worst of those three players that you mentioned got the bump and ice time. He played just under eight while the other two were just under five. So that's the oh. first mistake is they're playing the career AHL players <laughs> in uh, in uh, what what is it Logan Logan Shaw I mean he's a great AHL player I'll give him that much you know he can score and stuff but he's just too slow for the NHL which is you know whatever like he's a 
AHL vet, career AHLer. And that's that's that. And then you look, you know, they got Gus Gustafson, who is definitely like he's not necessarily 100% ready for the NHL, but they are just kind of working him in, which is fine. And then Luoto, like we don't really know who he is. He's an older, I think he's 24, 25, playing in his first season in North America. He played in the KHL or whatever before. So it's really hard to get a good grasp on guys that are playing six minutes a night. But I mean, you know, they do have their good shifts and they do have their bad shifts. But I would like to see, you know, someone like uh, Jansen Harkins been tearing it up in the AHL the last, whatever, three weeks, 10 games worth, dozen games. He's on a 10-game point streak, I think. But maybe it's just the same thing as Sammy Nico. He's playing so well, so we'll just leave him there. Um, <laughs> and then you look at a guy, even a guy they ha- have in the press box right now, Michael Spocek's been in the organization for a few years, and I'm sure he'd be better than Shaw in the lineup. So that's, that's kind of my thought on it. Yeah, it's, it feels like, a, like a, I think we, Roddy and I chatted about this before too. Uh, we're always throwing to conversation we had, but uh, maybe if they're not going to be playing very much, maybe it does make more sense for them to bring up players that it's not going to hurt their development or anything or be yeah. much of an insult to bring up a player that's on fire just to play six minutes and not really get much opportunity. So maybe that fourth line role, the way Maurice plays it, is sort of ideally suited that's... for guys you don't really care about, right? Yeah, and, and that's... that's... And that's right, yeah. Like, I mean, if they're going to do that and play them for, like I said, like five to seven minutes a night, I don't want young prospects up playing that. I don't want, like, that's basically what it is, is kind of like a Thorburn role, right? Just playing five minutes a night or, like, just that those not very good hockey players that are there to take a shift every every nine shifts or whatever, right? That's That's basically it. You just have to hope that if that's what they're doing, if it's actual plug-and-play, which I've long, long um, lobbied for. Like, you know, if your fourth-line guy gets hurt, you call up a a guy that plays fourth-line style. I've always thought that that made sense. Yeah. But that means if, for example, Wheeler can't go tomorrow night, spot check should be playing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he should be getting the bump in in minutes, not necessarily on the second line, but at least, you know, playing like a dozen minutes. Or or, you know what I mean? He should be coming up from the moose their number one center he should come here and play second or third line center if you're going to do it with the fourth line guys you should be doing it with the top line guys exactly right. yeah yeah like if That's for like, example we'll use another example press. say uh say like god forbid but a guy like connor goes down they should be calling a vessel line and then plug him in on that first or second line That's exactly a better example of that for sure yeah. and and it's interesting to see how keith does it in toronto now eh like because he's the like the coach of the marley's obviously and Apparently he's a pretty new school guy. I wonder if he'll do something like that in, in uh, Toronto. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that at all. It'll definitely be a whole new, whole new world out there. All right, we're gonna throw over to some fan questions here. So uh, I think I'll go with Mike for this one because you're even part of the conversation a bit. But Alan, former host of the AIH Superfans podcast, he says, "Why?" And he's sort of defending. Um, the uh, a narrative that we've spoken against a little bit. He says, "Why are we saying the Jets are winning only because of goaltending? Like it's a bad thing, isn't it? Good goaltending isn't good goaltending a part of hockey? I remember him saying this before all the time. He's like, they're they're part of the, the team as well. Uh, if we had bad goaltending but scored a lot of goals, we'd say they're only winning because of goal scoring? Question mark. There's always a reason. So, and then John Malloy uh, said, because of sustainability, riding a high PDO has histor- historically resulted in negative regression. So, Mike, maybe you could kind of speak to that. I mean, yeah, the goalie's playing well, but he's on the team, so the team is good because the goalie's good. There's, is that not a fair statement, or are we allowed to? Why is why is it so different with the goalie? Why do we uh, kind of rag on it a bit more than if our goalie was letting in five, but we were scoring seven? Well, 
Well, what did what I before I answer? What did someone say something to Malloy? Because maybe that'd be better than my response. Oh, I, uh, Alan said answer on the podcast, and I said guest John has been joining us tonight. And then Mike Friesen, that's you, said who will protect the liquor store though? So is that? <laughs> <laughs> it was you. You responded. Oh my God! You're right. Yeah, I was, it was going to be better than the answer. <laughs> that was your best. Yeah, what, you, what you had written down was your best shot. So okay. Well, what's your second best? Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I actually, I actually agree with. I think that I agree with Alan. Um, in so far as. Yeah, I mean, just like it, it makes a big difference, like how good your goalie is. If if this is the year where, where if Hellebuck is back into like Vezina contender status, that's gonna mean a big difference. Like the Jets are gonna continue to win, not this many one goal games, but they're gonna continue to win more than their fair share uh, of one goal games. He's gonna steal the odd game here and there. He's gonna make our. Are, he's going to make everyone and everything just that, look that little bit better. Uh, I don't think that it's in any way realistic to expect him to continue playing at this level. But uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna he. I don't think that it's unreasonable to think uh, that he could he could carry the Jets into a playoff spot. You know him and Ehlers and and Liney and and everything. I I think that it could happen. And um, and honestly, I'm here for it. I kind of look at this what a what a weird, crazy off season this was. It's kind of found money in a sense. Um, you know, hopefully they don't extend the coach. But yeah, let's let's make the playoffs, <laughs> man. And, and I think Hellebuck could do that. So um, that that that's how I see it. Actually, I'm kind of with Alan on that. Yeah, I think that's a fair a fair statement too. Because you're like, uh, to contrary to popular belief, we do actually cheer for the Jets and are okay with the wins. It's just like Chris kind of noted earlier, it's not really the best looking hockey. We know it doesn't seem sustainable, but like you're saying, Mike, I mean, if the goalie can do it, the goalie's on the team. So maybe the highlights of this year aren't watching how great they are and how offensive they could be, but watching Hellebuck stand on his head and we all get a cheer for that. And if the team wins and can uh, kind of, he can lift them to, to new heights to, deep into the playoffs, then they have a chance, right? If you, if you can get there and that's not a bad thing to hope for, but it kind of feels like it'd be nice if the guys in front of them and the systems and everything worked a little bit better to take a bit of pressure off him and do things that are a bit more sustainable, but he's on the team. So of course we're cheering for him to do the best that he can do. Right. But it feels like if that one guy drops off or heaven forbid an injury, um, that, that almost feels like it sinks us just given how it's been going right now. So it's almost too much faith in one person, but who knows? Anyhow. Um, okay, so next question. We got Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun said, are plants farming us humans and is veganism our secret fight against our edible invaders? So I'm going to take that one. Um, uh, Scott, that's a stupid question. Of course, that's that's all true. So thanks for your question, though, Scott. Um, <laughs> so, okay, there's a couple other ones here about... Uh, flow Frenchie and his uh, flow how, how uh, the flow intangibles have played into this maybe him cutting his hair has been all that they they've needed um, C-Mac I was going to ask you do you think the Jets will do a ask Niku or ask a Jet thing with Niku on Twitter this season like they did a couple of years ago <laughs> went really really bad and that they did with Maurice too um, I think two seasons ago if I'm not mistaken and that went really really bad do you think the Jets maybe do an ask Niku thing and and the and see see what happens with that. 
if I know anything about the Winnipeg Jets, yes, they will. <laughs> because they're so tone deaf. Yeah, they will. <laughs> All right. and, we'll, and we'll crash the party again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um, let's go over to Daniel. Is Ryan still with us? Okay, I'll give Ryan the next one after that. Uh, Daniel, this is from Vern. He says, every time a new analysis hits the market, I think he's talking about analytics, it becomes a lead stat. What does it say about the previous research? As a minimal stat guy, is there an end to this? Like, how do we know which stats are best? Uh, Chris, you cited um, expected goals for, you know, we, we hear about Corsi, right? So how do maybe some of these stats tie together and how do we know which ones to value more than the other ones? I think it's each, a fair question. Yeah, that, that's actually a, a decent question. Um, I probably don't have a full proper answer for that, but I will say that each stat, each new stat that comes out just means that there's people looking to advance the game and analyze it in new different ways, which is good. And that yeah. is something that we should continue to grow and hopefully that all the people that are very much smarter than me will keep on doing so they can keep people like us, like me, that don't necessarily have the ability to analyze it all, but to at least look at it and understand it. Um, and each stat is only a small part of the game and the game still has to be played as well, right? So that's, that's kind of what I have for an answer for that. And I mean, I love seeing how big the analytics has come and it's definitely actually grown my interest in hockey. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. If there, pe- if there are people listening that don't understand them, just Google it. Just go on YouTube. Like if it's valuable yourself, if it makes right, sense. Right, like something as simple as Corsi, everybody gets scared by it because they see that percentage sign beside it. And half the time when I get into it with somebody, but I just do you do you know what it is? Just define it for me because it's nothing. It's just shots on shots towards net. That's all it is. Corsi is just that. It's nothing fancy. It's a stat that everybody's been keeping track of for our whole lives. It's yeah. just now stated differently. That's all. That's not. That's not nothing crazy. And if you're a Corsi denier, as some people are, are you telling me that you'd rather get outshot every game, or you'd rather outshoot the other team the other every game? That's all it is. That's it. Yep. Yep. I, think, yep. I like what you said too, Daniel. That it sort of uh, pushed your interest in in hockey too, because I think for a lot of people it did. And so, when I, I think that's. That's a positive thing, right? If people can find a different angle on it to to enjoy. Some people collect jerseys. Some people collect cards. I mean, some people want to know all the details. And because our minds, uh, I know Garrett has talked about this, they're, they're not that great at remembering every detail. So if you want to be able to recall it in some sort of visualization or quote-unquote spreadsheet, then whatever. Like, why, why not? Why not uh, see if you can understand the game better that way, especially if it brings some enjoyment to the game, especially when the game isn't that enjoyable to watch, right? And you could kind of uh, break it down and see see what the numbers uh, tell you even more than your eye test. And I always like to say the numbers are there to kind of improve your eye test, right? You kind of look yeah, at that's, it. And, that's you know. true, because you can look at it, you can watch the game, and then you can say, okay, did they actually do well? Did whoever, whoever, and whoever, the whatever line, did they actually do well, or did they just have two scoring chances that I remember? Because, And then forget about all the turnovers, all the chances against they had when they were on the ice or whatever because you know generally the announcers are only saying you know that whatever line a fed shifley in the middle right but they're not saying often enough like in the defensive zone that line a was out of position or they were on the ice for that certain goal against them right just to use that as an example so you know that's if you're just watching the game you might not realize that at said players were on the ice for 
long stretches of bad in the in their own zone, but they created two chances and scored two goals in the offensive zone, right? right. That's okay. Ryan, I'm going to throw one over to you here. This I thought was another kind of good question, although it came before the Babcock firing today. Ryan, you still there? Yeah, you're still there. Good to see you. Um, um, his question was, uh, who gets fired first? He said, uh, Pomo, uh, Babcock, Laviolette, or Peters, I guess, out in Calgary. Right? We already know what happened with Babcock. I don't know if you want to talk to the, about the Babcock firing and how maybe people predicted it or what the trickle down or, or what, what was problematic there and if there's any sort of link to the Jets. But uh, if you've been watching any of these other teams, do you see some of these other coaches on the hot seat? And that included Paul Maurice, except he's uh, clearly uh, had better results uh, recent, more recently than Laviolette or, or Peters. But, uh, yeah, who do you think actually gets fired or is maybe on the hot seat of those guys? Well, Paul Maurice is not on the hot seat whatsoever. Correct. And that's what we alluded to earlier on Chevy has given such a high praise to Paul Maurice that he's not going anywhere and I don't know much about the other coaches but uh, Babcock will be picked up very quickly I'm not sure by who but he will be picked up this year and he's going to be getting double paychecks because what's he two three years left on to leave solo like 15 to 20 million dollars yeah yeah he's he's got a ton of of money coming his way he doesn't have to coach but he's going to and he's gonna make a ton of money elsewhere as well so he's gonna be getting again uh, someone's gonna be paying him yeah for sure so, so if it's so Babcock's out now, we've established Pomo not uh, not really on the hot seat. Uh, so we got Laviolette in Nashville and and uh, Peters in Calgary. Now those are two teams like Nashville won the uh, the division last year. Calgary, I'm pretty sure won their division. Did they not? Did yeah. they win the Pacific? Yeah. 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 So we got two division winners, and both of them kind of look. Uh, it's it's pretty wild how things change in a year. And uh, just kind of not even about who's in, on the hot seat, but just looking at that right now and seeing where, where they're at and how they've fallen, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. And I guess that's the nature of the business, right? I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I personally don't think either of them get fired, but uh, I'm sure everybody in there's probably enough people in those markets that are calling for their heads so too. Well, so. Both of those teams are well known for making trades. Uh, you right. probably look for that first because, both, like, you know, uh, especially Nashville. There's no yep. problem trading anybody, and Calgary in the last few years, um, they they haven't made, had a problem making trades. Maybe they'll trade with each other. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Mike, uh, so this is from Kyle. He says, if there's one player we could hypothetically and I guess realistically acquire that could make a huge difference to this team, short and long term, who would that player be? So looking around the league and some of our deficiencies, what's the biggest need on the Jets, and maybe. Um, somebody that could have the most most impact. Oh God, what's the name? Uh, Quinton Byfield. Let's go with <laughs> Alexis Lafreniere. I think oh, I got those names. Sammy right. Niku. Th- hey, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Sammy Niku. You know okay. That's a good question. I mean, I just um, I find the whole world of trade rumors and stuff to be such a waste of time. I just. It just, I, it bothers me. So I, I guess I got a little triggered by this question there. I should probably, probably cool it, eh? You know, um, no, I, I, uh, I'm not a big Mike. fan of the trade rumor stuff, guys. I just, 
who, Mike, who's I on the market? A... Basically nobody, as I understand it. It's just basically, you know, Dreger needs to needs to talk in his in his <laughs> his country drawl about about you know someone when he makes the, the does the radio hit in Winnipeg or Ottawa or Calgary or whatever. So so he just kind of needs a name to put out there sometimes, right? I I don't know how to, how to answer that question. It seems like trades don't happen, so. <laughs> it does feel that way. I have a, I have a coworker that whenever things get, it's really funny. But he'll always propose trades to me, and they're most ridiculous things. He'll come up and he'll be like, "Hey, would you trade Drysidle and Nurse for Ehlers and Shifley?" And I'm just like, "What are we talking about here? <laughs> like, what about their contracts? Why would we ever do it? Like, it's just so crazy." And he just does it like once a week. Wheeler and Hellebuck for Jonathan Quick. <laughs> and like, what are you talking about? It doesn't even make any sense. So. And then it's like, okay, it's like you, by some miracle you have, okay, both GMs uh, want like want to make the trade. There's a need. There's a, everything, and it's going to come down to like, oh, um, okay, none, none of the guys have a no trade list. Oh, the contract, the cap implications work. It's like, oh my god, this might actually happen. And then it's going to be like, uh, you know, I, no, like, uh, like the guy's the guy's wife doesn't doesn't want to move there or whatever. Like That's it, right. It, it's just, there's always going to be something that stops a trade from happening. It's a miracle that any that any happens. All right, we got lots of questions here still, guys. So we got to go quicker. Uh, so Mike adds nobody, and Chris adds Niku, and Daniel adds Berdine. Berdine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because our goaltending is our worst. Our worst uh, issue right well, now. Well, Helly needs a rest. Helly needs a rest eventually. So. Okay. Well, we got yeah, the best player in the league. Congrats to Michael Burden on. Uh, we he's, he found a Russian coke dealer. So right on. Good for him. Nice. <laughs> that was news this week, guys. This is a big deal. I didn't catch that reference. Is that a thing? Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> Why would I lie on the podcast? I have no idea. <laughs> well, just yeah. Just just yeah. okay. Just you guys heard it from me. Just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's standing by it. Okay, He's, we'll blow over that. Uh, Pete Jesse has Paul Maurice really building a new house. I'm I believe that is him. true. I've heard that. Uh, Chris has Line a stolen Wheeler's job as a passer and has Ehlers stolen Line a's job as a sniper. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's been a bit of role reversal there. What do you, what's your take on the sort of the new identity of those players and what they're doing? And uh, I don't know. I think we saw a lot of Line a last year making these these passes when he was, you know. He didn't have a lot of assists, but when he did, they were usually pretty awesome. And that's, I think, what happens when you're good with your stick. That's why he's got such a good shot. So I think it's natural that his game is uh, rounding out a little bit. I'm finding it a little bit hard to understand why he's not scoring, though. Um, Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the fact he's not playing on the power play at all. But he's not scoring five on five. um, So that's a little bit. It's definitely not concerning. It's just strange. Um, again, I think that comes down to the perimeter play and these. There's no. Uh, when was the last time you ever saw a jet streaking down the middle of the ice? You know, in the offensive zone and getting fed from the outside. I think right. AJ and I were talking about that today. That Connor has just started kind of making some passes in the last two weeks, and it's really strange whatever they're doing on offense. Um, and then as far as Ehlers goes, I mean, come on. He's been the best Jet for three years. He's the best Jet. He's the best player. Um, him and Hellebuck have been my two favorite players for the last three years, and they're proving me right that they're the two best Jets. So I feel good about that. 
I don't know. I've never heard you talk about them ever. I don't know if this is <laughs> you're just going to jump on a bandwagon there, Chris. Uh, all right, uh, Daniel. Um, Alyssa wants to know, what do you think will be the next major move made by the organization? Now, uh, did kind of throw a question to Mike about who you'd add, so it's uh, similar, but do you think trading, or do you think they will fire the coaches an extension? What's going to be the next bit of major news that we hear from the Jets, realistically? The next bit of major news. Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, so Maurice, we've established, and I do agree with all that, he's not getting extension, or, or no, sorry, he's not getting fired, sorry, extension, who... Who knows? And we'll just let that play out. Um, I think if they continue, you know, hovering around, what, what do we establish? They're about third third in the central right now, somewhere in there. So pretty in a, in a playoff spot. I think if they hang around there for a bit longer, I think they might consider making a move to acquire a better defenseman, whether, again, that excludes just calling up Sammy Niku from the AHL because he's, doing too well and he's going to win this his second AHL D-Man of the Year award in three seasons but uh um I, I'll say I'll just say you know they'll probably look to bring in some D help or at least I hope they look to bring in D help I you, that's such a hard question because you don't really know you never know what to expect with the Jets um maybe they'll just trade for another second line center in February and we'll just call that a call that a day well we have our second line center his name's Blake Wheeler what are you talking about sorry a second line winger then <laughs> we we finally moved Rossovic up the lineup. What are you talking about? Yeah. Is there, yeah. Or maybe a fourth, or maybe, uh, how about this? Uh, a fourth liner, they'll bring in uh, Brian Boyle from wherever the hell he's playing now. There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, next one we go to. Okay, right. I, 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 got a, I got an outside the box one on that question. Like the, the next the Jets news was the question, right? I just, I just wonder if there's something, could be something like. Um, I don't know, like attendance related, like, uh, you know, something Ooh. like three, three, uh, you know, what's our attendance at? Like, I wonder if we drop below 15 for a game or something like that. That's just, just thought I'd throw that out there. I wonder if, the, if yeah. we drop below 15,000 for a game. Listen, listen, you're not going under 15,000 when you got tickets on Groupon. There's, there's tickets on Groupon? There's tic- okay, there's all right, that's the Groupon. news. There you go. Yeah. There's your major there's news. Broken, the man. That's the biggest news. Yeah. From a Russian Coke dealer. You can get them. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. Now, if that was on a Groupon, uh, text Michael Burden for all of your ticket needs. His coke for you. You know the guy. Eh? <laughs> oh, I don't know any of this. Okay, so okay, right. sorry, what was the next question? I interrupted you, AJ. I'm, I'm uh, no, I think that's good. Um, this one, I mean, we could all sort of uh, hit on this a little bit. We're a little over an hour right now. Um, but let's see, da, 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 the losing factor. Uh, okay, actually, well, Spinorama Hockey, they said, should the Jets extend Pomo? If not, would, who are the candidates to replace him? I'm going to say this for the millionth time when people ask for the candidates, they want nameable names. Uh, I said the best candidates would be the ones with the best ideas for optimizing this group if they felt that Pomo wasn't the guy doing that. You do not need a notable name. You need somebody that has the best plan for this. So I don't care if it's a high school hockey coach or, or something like that. I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if it's, it doesn't have to be Lindy Ruff or Paul McLean or any unemployed former head coach. That's, that's not, that's not a thing. So, um, Chris, uh, Brianna says, other than Helly, who's the best player for the Jets, have, the Jets have right now, are the new lines that came as a result of injuries better or worse or comparable? What changes could be made to continue sitting in a playoff spot? for the remaining three quarters of the season. So I'll let you take that because uh, I think you know Brianna. 
Yeah, that's the best question of the night for sure. Um, <laughs> a plus question, no doubt. Yeah, A plus, A plus. <laughs> uh, obviously, the best jet we've established is and always will be Nikolai Ehlers. <laughs> oh, sorry. Forever. He's, he's taken over. Well, no, yeah, no. He's taken over from where Team Mussolini left off in 1995. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as far as what they can do, I think, honestly, um, AJ and I were talking earlier today about if, if the Jets are purposely, <clears throat> and this is going to sound like a compliment to Paul Maurice, if they're purposely playing less effective ozone play in order... Um, to compensate on defense, which may or may not be working. It's obviously working in goaltending. Point being, I think the thing that they need to do is gener- generate more offense. Um, right. They're not shooting the puck enough, and and they're also not shooting the puck enough from high-danger da- situations. As I just said in the last answer, when was the last time you saw Patrick Laine shoot from the slot on a setup? They're spending time in the zone, but it's not creating anything. And I think I would hazard a guess the way Paul Maurice is I can hear him after practice saying so (laughs) what you want to do is as the guys go along during the season you want to add other things you know so what we're going to do is add now another layer to this ozone time which is going to be a high danger shots I hope and another play or something because he does have tendency at certain points to change strategy so maybe the strategy changes let's work on this and then we're going to bring in guys cutting to the net guys doing this guys doing that i don't know but that to me is the major thing they need to get their shooter shooting the puck closer to the net not just ehlers being the only one that does it you know uh, this is our first time i think we've ever had a legit paul maurice impression ever on the podcast that was that uh that was good you had sort of good cadence in your voice too that sort of it, it, you could tell that you were doing a Paul Maurice impression and just adding one more thing. That was <laughs> like that. It was very Paul Maurice-esque. And, and like you say, the way that he talks about stuff, dude, that's exactly what he does. Oh, that's geez. what it's called an impression. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay. I'm just, you'll be edited out of the, the whole podcast. Um, okay. Uh, oh, Jesus. There's still a bunch of pretty good questions. Somebody wants to know who runs YK zippers and why do they hold an absolute monopoly over the global zipper market? Check your jean zippers. Uh, okay, let's see. Little, we talked about him being injured and how that uh, hasn't hurt too bad. Um, Daniel, uh, I was going to throw this one to you and then Mike and I, maybe we'll tackle the last one together. Uh, Pionk, his analytics and possession stats are far better than Truba right now. Is it safe to say that Pionk is God's greatest gift to Winnipeg? So, what's your take on, on Pionk? I will say this, Spinorama Hockey again, whoever you guys are, they had a tweet the other day where they compared Truba and Pionk, but instead of using their, their AAV, they use their salaries, so they've created a $9 million variance between the two instead of a $5 million to, I believe, try and sell a We Won the Trade narrative with that, which uh, seemed a little bit, a uh, little cheeky. Like, they're definitely on the side of uh, screw, screw Truba, and Pionk is better. But obviously, Pionk has a better season. Truba's been down. But uh, I, so you can talk to the, the Pionk thing, Daniel, but I will just say this. We... Truba has, what, six, seven years of NHL experience that you can't just throw out the window after his 22 games and say, look, told you he's awful because, uh, I mean, he was 
pretty lights out last year. He's a pretty good player. So anybody who's selling the farm on, on Truba, I don't, I don't know what, what you're doing. It's been 20, 21 games. So, uh, but, but Pionk and uh, the surprise that he's been, I think he's better than, than advertised and, but probably not as good as we needed. So Daniel. Yeah, I actually have, you know, I don't really know what his possession stats are compared to Truba, but I guess whoever said that said they were better. Um, which is, I guess, slightly surprising. Maybe I haven't really followed along with uh, Truba that much because he's not on the Jets anymore. I don't even know how New York the Rangers themselves are doing. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of byproduct of how bad or not so great the Rangers are. It does have an effect on how good Truba looks right now. Um, same thing with Pionk. I mean, he was pretty bad in New York because New York wasn't very good. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a role, role reversal. Truba is, I think, an overall better player than Pionk could ever be in my opinion um we didn't there's you can't judge a trade after 20 games or i you know i'm almost a believer that you can't really judge trades that much overall because you did what you had to do at said time whether it's from acquiring a player that helps you win the cup as a rental and then you lose that guy but you mortgage your future but you still got the banner in the end um so that's kind of what that's you know i don't really have a proper answer to that um, I see the Rangers here are hovering right around hockey 500 at nine, eight and two. Um, that's whatever There's six in their division is fine. The Jets obviously are 13, eight and one somehow. Um, so yeah, like Pionk, I mean, he has definitely surprised me and I'm sure a lot of others. Um, he is definitely not equal to what Jacob Truba's value brings to a team though. I, I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, Morrissey's down too. And when people want to say Truba, you know, hasn't looked as good. They're they're failing to mention the fact that Josh Morrissey hasn't exactly looked exceptional since his new contract yeah. either. Yeah, as that's high right. As I mean, if 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 you have a trade and the cap room to do it, and it's Pionk for Truba, which I know people say it's Hainola in there as well. But if it's one for one, I mean, you take Truba ten out of ten times. It's not a question. Yeah. I mean, this his slump over the last twenty games or the downtime. I think, like you say, Daniel, is probably more about the Rangers, and uh, maybe that's why Pionk didn't look as good coming in, and why they're was hesitancy and, to be that excited about him, right? And like I said, I don't know the actual their actual individual metrics, so I'm kind of just saying what what I think, what my first reaction to something like that would be. And I mean, yeah. you look at, like, I mean, the Jets' defense as a whole, like their decor is filled with AHL or waiver wire pickups, and that affects the partners and all that. So Pionk, yeah. I, I, don't, I couldn't even name who, like, the Jets' general pairings are because they've changed so much, and that has an effect an overall effect as well as, you know, his zone start times and all that. There's just so many variables that it's hard to make a good, hey, a good can assessment. I just, can, I just jump, can I just jump in real quick? Yep. yep. Jets won the trade. Oh, there we go. You heard and it. Then, you know what? And Hainola might be a future Norris winner and we'll all be happy and screw Truba, right? Honestly, honestly, guys, the contract, <laughs> the contract matters. Truba's making, you have, you have to have better players. Truba's a way better player than, than Pionk. Truba signed for a lot of money, and uh, the Jets happened to hit on Hinola. He's the, the Jets. Uh, the Jets shouldn't have won that trade. That that was a bad trade. The Hayes was a terrible trade uh, in, the, in the moment. But if you if you're allowed to judge right now, we we hit on Hainola. We won the trade. You okay? Fight, okay. fight, fight me. Start another podcast. Whatever. <laughs> No, you yeah. know what? And Hainola, if Hainola does turn out to be, you know, and he could very well be, I think, once he, you know, he's 18 years old, he's fresh, he's playing in uh, 
in uh, Finland or I think they'd sent him back to team in Finland. It was, uh, you know what, and he needs that time and he's only 18 years old. And if he could very possibly be just as good or better than Jacob Truba, but as we were just talking about, about Pionk versus Truba, and that's a today thing, but a high Nola and an overall trade trade win, that's a tomorrow thing, right? Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. But the contract and also the contract situations do matter in the in a salary cap world. So I will agree with that as well. Yeah. We we have talked about that before, just the kind of breaking down the whole trade and how I, Chris and I, I think both believe that it sort of ties back to a Brian Little situation and whether the Jets should have even tried to acquire Hayes and and even move that Hainola pick. There's there's a lot of sort of moving parts there, but uh, it's kind of hard to isolate one trade by itself and not kind of see their interconnectedness. At least I, that's how I, I see it. But I did want to point something else again. Uh, Spinorama Hockey, I'll make mention of them for the third time. Uh, they also tweeted out the other day about uh, the Jets being a young team and compared them to being one of the youngest teams and uh, cited the oldest and youngest. I'm going to just suggest that everybody who believes that go back and listen to Mike on, when was it, Mike? Probably after the playoffs, uh, maybe June or July. I think Mike kind of broke down how young the Jets are and how meaningful that is and how much of that is, is nonsense and uh, just uh, smoke and mirrors uh, about how young the Jets are and how much that impacts things. So please, if you think the Jets are the youngest team and that's important info, uh, go listen to Mike, uh, tear that idea a new one. But Mike, I'll leave you with the one. Sorry, hold on, hold on. You can add to that too. Um, I know what Mike talked about that episode, but you can also add to it now that, yeah, young is something, but, Three years ago, if we record this podcast, we're talking about how these how the Jets are overplaying young players, and there's too many of them. These guys have been playing for five years already. Yeah, they yeah. might be young in age, but they're experienced NHLers. Yeah. They're elite. Like so many of them are like so good. So I mean, yeah. our best players are under 25 years old. That's perfect. That's what you want. That's what you yeah. want. So stop. Yes, they're yes. Patrick Line is young. He's played X amount of games and has a hundred whatever goals. He'll hit yeah. his 200th game this year. Like Connor just hit his 200th. Like Steelers probably has like a like closer to 300 than those guys. Shifley as well, right? So it's they've played a lot of games. Yeah, just okay. because young and age doesn't doesn't matter. It's meaningless. Yeah. Um, so oh, we'll listen for a, then, a deeper dive on that. What? Go ahead, Daniel. No, I'm not. I'm not going to get into that. Actually, just, okay. just Don't worry about that. Don't. Yeah. Okay, we're going to end here, Mike. Somebody asked, what are your ideal lineups? We're not going to go through everyone. We're at an hour and 20. So this will be good for those of you driving to Regina to go, or no, uh, to uh, Calgary to, where, where's the Grey Cup? No, Edmonton. Edmonton, right? Oh, it is in Calgary. Sorry, New Brunswick. New Brunswick. <laughs> Ryan is there right now. Ryan went way early. Everyone. Anyhow, there'll be some, uh, some podcast listening here. So a longer podcast probably doesn't hurt some people, but don't want to make it over an hour and a half. Mike, what are your ideal lineups? So right now, uh, we'll obviously can continue to keep players that don't exist off this team. You can use players within the system. So Niku is fair game. Bufflin is not fair game. Brian Little is not fair game. What's your ideal lineup with uh, all the healthy players that are available to you right now? If you were making the, the lineups going into, what, Dallas tomorrow, I believe, or wherever the hell they are? Yeah. I think it's Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Mike, ideal lineups. Go. Last uh, Sammy Niku in at defense. With Morrissey, uh, we move Wheeler out of center right away. Keep Roslevic in a scoring line. Actually, we have three scoring lines, and the fourth line doesn't exist anymore. There you go. We don't need a fourth line. Well, then you're saying what we do do or what we're going to do? 
because it kind of feels like the fourth line doesn't exist already, right? Uh, like, well, I assume that whatever I want will eventually get. I just have to keep tweeting about it and podcasting about it. So, ask, yeah, ask, talk, ask talk to the coke dealer. I, I, I'll, I'll try. Just you know, as, as long as you like the things that are happening, then you're never wrong, right? If you're just happy with what what has happened, and then you get to just say that there's never been a better option than what already is. Are you referring to future always podcast guest uh, Kilbray? Twitter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Ryan. Anyhow. All right. Well, that's that's your lineup. That that wasn't much much difference except just moving Niku in and, and moving Wheeler out right? <laughs> of center. Okay. Well. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm. We got to give something more than that. I mean. Okay. Aline and Shifley have to go together. That should have been done a long time ago. Um. Actually, you know what? I'd have to write this down. I don't, I don't have anything to add to it. You can't do it without right writing it down. But you can yeah, do the pairs. You yeah. can't, right? You can do the, the pairs. And you could easily do, like you said, Shifley and Line. You could, for argument's sake, do Little and Wheeler. Um, you could. No, no Little. Is well, that, okay, right now? Yeah. Yeah, right now. Okay, well, then I think I've always been not on team. Andrew Kopp, but I like him with the younger guys playing center. Uh, you know what I mean? So you could do it that way. Again, I can't do it without writing down either, but I like the, the pairing of, of guys, and obviously the easy pair is Lowry and Kopp, but I don't think you need that. But yeah, and then you just mix in, because we have so many wingers that can go up and down and up and down. Then you mix them in with, you know, the other guys. Yeah. You could easily, for example, put Perot with Line and Shifley. Yeah, and then that moves Connor to the third line. That's what I was going to say. And then all of a sudden, your third line has a, a, a much stronger sc- scoring threat there, right? By just adding Connor to that third line, they kind of have to respect him and his speed a bit more. Doesn't really so, hurt your first line that much. This Sorry. is a conversation I had at Thanksgiving, though. Here's the thing about all of these optimal lineups we always talk about it's clear after four and a half or five years, however long Paul Maurice is here, that he doesn't believe in that, that of having four lines. Whether it's four lines that play equal amounts or it's having three scoring lines and a checking line, he doesn't believe in any of that. So the philosophy of what's the optimal lineup as far as us fans go is flawed because there's no point in even talking about it. Yeah, It doesn't matter. He's doing what he thinks is the best way to win. And what he thinks is the best way to win is have all your best players on the top two lines and have a very, very competitive third line and everybody else can go fuck themselves. That's his philosophy. Well, There's no point in trying to figure out what the best lines are. The best lines are stack the top two and find somebody like Perot that can play with Connor and or with Lowry and uh, and Cox. Yeah. That's well, the thing philosophy. is, yeah, none of none of what we say matters, right? This is just but it doesn't fans, it doesn't matter talking, in but... a bigger sense either because yes. that's not how he believes a winning team is put together. Yeah, you're you're right. It's not going to happen. Um, until we can get Sheldon Keefe. <laughs> All right. Well, I just lose, I just killed it. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, everybody, that was the Jet Cedric podcast. An hour and twenty five minutes. That that might be a new record. Thanks so much for doing this, guys, and taking the time. I think we covered a lot of ground. I think we, uh, you know, we spoke on a, a lot of the most current uh, things, and uh, I think we, you know, gave people some some pause and things to think about. So thanks for taking the time, guys. I know it's late, so everybody go to bed, and I'm going to stay up late and eat junk food. Go Jets go. Go Bombers go.
Yeah, we should at least say that. Because yeah. you're the biggest bomber fan here, I think, out of all of us. So say something positive about the bombers. Go. Um, James Murphy is super nice guy. Oh. Yeah. John Bolden is my favorite, one of my favorite bombers. Um, oh. no. <laughs> no, seriously though, it would it would be cool if they win, but I'm just sorry. Thirty years of not winning, I'm bitter. Yeah, Buck Pierce but... asked to have his picture taken with you. Yes, he did. Buck Pierce always asked us, although he unfollowed me on Twitter years ago. So I'm all, I'm all, I'm over him. Oh. Yeah, I was at the game where James Murphy broke his leg. I was at that game. Um, I will say this: yesterday, what's today? The twentieth. Yeah, uh, yesterday the nineteenth was my middle son's birthday. He turned thirteen, and he was born on Grey Cup when it was in Winnipeg. Two two Grey Cups ago, I guess. So uh, yesterday was the thirteen year anniversary of uh, the Grey Cup being held in Winnipeg. Winnipeg was not in it, the team, but uh, it was here. So we always remember that because my wife was in labor with him in her living room. We did a home birth, and we were watching the Grey Cup. So. 13 years ago yesterday, and happy birthday, Elliot. I just about picked this up... This is the content the listeners want. Yes, yeah. <laughs> real hard I just, stuff. I just about got the phone number of a Toronto Argonaut cheerleader at that game because I did the oldest trick in the book. I said, hey, aren't you friends with Melissa? <laughs> and she said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I met you before. <laughs> Melissa with Melissa. <laughs> and from there, but was, the line works. Just that's a good line for all you single people out there. Aren't you friends with Melissa? Love it. Nice, nice in. All right. Well, hopefully the bombers do it, Chris. I'm uh, way more negative about the bombers than you are, uh, believe it or not. But uh, I mean, it's one game, right? So they they have a chance. The the problem in the past is them being able to beat good teams like not just this year but historically uh but i mean i think they have a pretty good chance you got to win one game it's a good team that they're playing but uh whatever i i have nothing else to say about that daniel or mike last word either one of you go blue there we go go blue mike M- uh, mike's going for the tie cats mike's gone well i do like <laughs> jeff reinbold a lot but no we're gonna, oh. we're gonna bom- bomber, bombers uh bombers uh let's let's go boys let's get her done all right. Okay, thanks, guys. That's the end of the podcast until uh, we finally get our shit together in probably another two weeks from now. Okay, bye. 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 I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.